Brad, my, my concept from an engineering perspective is, is possibly a little bit different. I've got this inherent belief system that the body has an innate ability to fix and repair itself. So from an engineering point of view, why would we try and fix a self-healing mechanism? It makes no sense to me. What we would do is to try and identify why it couldn't self-heal. Where's the roadblock? Where is the self-healing mechanism compromised? If we can accurately, using our toolbox, diagnose where the roadblock is, and we can deal with that, then what we've done is not, we've not fixed that person. What we've simply done is reinitiated the capacity for that person to fix and repair themselves. That was Chris Dukeman. And I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. Hey everyone, what is up? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me on Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. We're at episode 15 now, and I couldn't be more grateful for all the listeners, all the downloads, everybody that is commenting and taking the time out of their day to listen to this podcast. Hopefully it's helping people you know, understand mental health a little bit better and just that we all are human and our experiences in our lives really shape the way that we view the world and the, the experiences that we have may be different, but the results can be the same uh, when we're dealing with mental health. So hopefully these podcasts are resonating with you. And if you're listening, I'm assuming that they are. So for that, I thank you. But just before we get started, I want to just send a shout out to our sponsors. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I haven't done that one in a while. Anyways, no, we don't have any sponsors. But that being said, maybe we will one day. However, I had an amazing conversation today with Chris Dukeman. Chris has a company called New Vision Therapy. He lives in the UK. He actually lives on a channel island just south of the UK uh, off the coast of France called Jersey. It looks like an amazing place to live. Chris was a mechanical engineer, became a body engineer, and a hands-on therapist, specializing right now in post-traumatic stress or PTS in first responders and the Canadian military. He's promoting preventative health care, reversal of illness and disease with a proactive approach, dealing with the root cause. And that's what really resonated with me is, is the root cause part of healing, because I just truly believe that if you don't get to the root cause, and I'm talking physically, mentally, anything that we do when dealing with the body then we're just putting band-aids on it and ultimately we're coping and we haven't actually really fixed the problem. So I'm not going to talk a lot about what Chris is doing because Chris is going to talk a lot about what he's doing. So please enjoy this podcast, sit back, relax, do whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. And I truly hope you enjoy my conversation with Chris Dukeman. Cool, man. Well, um, you know, thank you so much for for taking the time to have this conversation. I I truly appreciate it, man. I 
really relate to what you're doing and I really uh, appreciate what you're doing. And one thing that drew me to, to what you're doing was the, when you talked about uh, how you deal with the root cause and, and, you know, the kind of a foundational approach to, you know, to healing. Right. And, and that's kind of, that's what I've done in my healing process, um, you know, with my post-traumatic stress and also, you know, physically, I, I believe in that too. You know, um, I had a back injury years ago and, and it got to the point where I was, um, you know, okay, I'd had enough and I'm like, I, I need to figure out what's wrong. And if, if something's wrong, if I need surgery or whatever I need to do, I need to figure that out. And then if, if I don't need surgery or it can't be remedied that way, then I need to figure out how to kind of build myself back up to, you know, to where I kind of am today. So I love that root cause, man. It resonates with me so much. Um, the mental strength training program that I was involved in, uh, in, in my healing process was a foundational approach. So, you know, if the way that it was explained to me and, and as, and when it was explained to me that way, that's when I went, yes, like I'm doing this 100% because the traditional stuff I'd learned what I needed to learn and, and, and I, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was going to help me, uh, truly heal and, and you know it was just more about coping and, and and things like that so again putting band-aids on it or looking at the symptoms versus looking at the root causes so um yeah. the foundational approach and the root cause sorry i'm talking a lot but that i had to just tell you how and and why i you know what you're doing is i think it's truly amazing and and it's it's on one hand it's disappointing that this type of of you know healing and medicine and and helping people is not the norm and it's not out there and it's not super easily accessible you really have to look for it so i applaud you for being that person that is out there promoting this type of of healing and uh so there you go man that's my that's my little spiel to you and again sorry for talking so much but and like I tell all my guests too, I, you know, I kept everything in for so long, you know, hiding everything with the mental health stuff, right. And the stigma and being around the fire hall and nobody talked about it and we didn't have any programs and all that kind of stuff. And, and so now that I'm, you know, I've, I've healed a lot that now I, I, I talk about everything. So I don't hold anything in. Uh, I am, you know, who I am and, and what's happened to me or is all part of me. So I talk about it openly, freely does not bother me. And it's, it's, you know, it's good and it's really good for, uh, podcasting. So. Yeah. But what it does, Brad, it gives, it gives hope to others as well. That's very, very important. So I take my hat off to you for putting yourself out there as well, because it's a very important message to get out there. Um, just touching on what you said earlier, I think, my my original profession was mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. I come from an engineering background. I'm not a trained healthcare professional in the traditional sense. I was basically a mechanical engineer with a shoulder problem. This right. is where my journey started about 14 years ago now. Um, cut a long story short, I had a shoulder problem for the best part of 10 years. It was quite debilitating with a very physical job. And 
being a typical bloke, I put up with the pain for, for a good period of time until eventually I realized it wasn't going to sort itself out. Otherwise, after eight years, it probably would have done so. Right. So I went to uh, went to my GP, got referred to the hospital, and after all kinds of exploratory work and intense physio, they couldn't find out what the problem was, and they wanted to give me painkilling injections. But from an engineering perspective, again, you tapped on it earlier, it didn't make a lot of sense to me to have the painkilling injections. I wanted someone to diagnose why the pain was there, not right. just mask it, whilst it might have given me some relief. It wasn't addressing the root cause, and of course, as an engineer, that was my job. I was trained to look at a situation, identify accurately, diagnose the root cause, and treat it accordingly. And of course, if you treat the root cause, then the associated symptoms dissipate without any direct intervention. That's the key. Right. So um, medically, I didn't want the, the painkilling injections. Physio had given up on me, so that was the end of the journey. And I went to see a complementary therapist. I'll use that word complementary as opposed to alternative. I think it's very important that I get that message across. Um, I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti-modern medicine at all. I think it does some incredible stuff. Um, I use the word complementary because I believe the approach that we adopt here is designed to work alongside conventional medicine, not replace it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But what I would say is as an engineer, I think modern medicine is quite limited in its diagnostic abilities um, in the sense of you can only work with what you can see. So if somebody presents with an undiagnosable headache or a migraine, for example, um, you know, we, we can take the medication, we can get the results of scans, x-rays, blood tests, but if nothing shows on those tests, if the scans, the x-rays, the bloods come back inconclusive, then actually formulating an evidence-based treatment plan to treat that patient is impossible because you've got no evidence to work with. It effectively becomes pin the tail on the donkey. Right. Let's try this. If it doesn't work, come back in a month, we'll look at it again. Right. That's not really good enough. Um, so I've got the best of both worlds, Brad, because I've got the knowledge that I've attained over the years, um, which I'll explain in a moment, and I can use that alongside the benefits that modern medicine can give you. Because even though those tests might be inconclusive, if somebody comes to me with long-term long back problems, migraines, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, depression, IBS, um, children with special needs, it doesn't matter what the problem is for me. First thing is we need to rule out anything medical. We need to rule out any pathology. So even if the results come back negative, at least we know what we're not dealing with. Right. But from the point of view of modern medicine, that, that really is the end of the journey there. So we've used it diagnostically as much as we can, but then after that point it becomes guesswork. So um, I'll focus on post-traumatic stress because the work I do um, has so many branches to the tree, but I'll focus on post-traumatic stress because that's why I'm here. And I'm going to use the word post-traumatic stress as opposed to post-traumatic stress disorder because I think it's disrespectful, me personally, to put the word disorder on the end of what is a body's natural response to stress. So if it's okay, I'm going to stick to post-traumatic stress. No, no, I love it, man, for sure. Yeah. Well, fu fundamentally, um, my journey with a complementary therapist after 10 years of being in chronic pain was one session. After one session, this guy accurately diagnosed where the root cause of my pain was, and it was nothing to do with the shoulder. It was to do with ribs. I've broken three ribs in a martial arts tournament many years beforehand. Uh, the ribs had healed. I had no more pain there, which is why I never even thought to mention it on the consultation form. But what it did, it jammed up my rib cage so I couldn't respirate properly. I couldn't breathe. I had scar tissue basically around the old trauma site. So because I couldn't respirate properly, my spinal column got dragged slightly over to one side, uh, resulting in a shortened spinal cord, pinched nerves in the neck and the skull, and the result was I never got a signal through to my shoulder muscles to regenerate and repair. 
So this guy never touched my shoulder. He freed off my ribs, and literally within three or four days, I was 90% pain-free. Wow. So within a month, I was back in the gym. I was back training in the dojo. I got my life back, Brad. Honestly, after 10 years of being in chronic pain, um, to, to be pain-free again was just like, you know, I, I felt 21 again. Mm. So, But as an engineer, I went back to this guy after a month. Not that I needed to because I felt top of the world. Right. I needed to know what he did. I needed to know how he was the first person to accurately diagnose my root cause. And this guy basically understood my background, so he started to explain to me about the central nervous system. So the central nervous system is fundamentally the brain, the spinal cord, and the housing that encompasses it. Um, so he spoke about it as a fuse board that controls and coordinates every structure and organ in the body, and I could relate to that with my engineering background. So basically, the, um, the central nervous system, to quote from the medical journal Gray's Anatomy, the central nervous system controls and coordinates all organs and structures of the body. Yep. That's a pretty immense statement. What that's basically saying is we've got a mechanism here that controls everything. So I am not academically the smartest cookie in the biscuit, Tim Brad. I'll, I'll freely <laughs> admit that. I'm not an academic. But what I realized... Um, this changed my life so much, my own personal experience, that I went back to this guy and said, look, if I can learn this crazy stuff, very, very light, hands-on touch through a fully clothed body, um, almost like you used the word healing earlier. That was my initial response to the treatment I was receiving. It was just some kind of hands-on healing. Then I began to realize there was much more to it than that. There was a mechanical system at play here. Um, and fundamentally, the brain and spinal cord is housed inside a fluid-filled balloon, for want of a better visualization. Mm -hmm. um, and that balloon connects mechanically to the inside of the skull. It has a very strong molding to the base of the skull, the occiput. And then there's no mechanical connection to talk of until you get to the tailbone. So what we have on, on, in purely mechanical terms is our master computer, brain and spinal cord, floating in a sea of fluid inside a tadpole-shaped balloon. Yeah? But there's a mechanism in the center of the brain called the ventricular system, Brad, and what this little fella does, it produces fluid called cerebral spinal fluid in, in a rhythmical cycle, roughly every three to four seconds. So we get a production of fluid for three to four seconds, and then for three to four seconds, the fluid reintegrates back into the blood supply. But because we're dealing with a sealed, pressurized hydraulic system here, when the fluid is produced, there's an expansion. The balloon effectively expands for three to four seconds. Because of the connection to bone at either end, the base of the skull and the tail, what that creates is a mechanical movement. The occiput, the base of the skull and the tailbone, they move down towards the feet for three to four seconds when the fluid is produced, and then gently, as the fluid is reintegrated into the blood, these two bones rock back up towards the head. So it's, it's like two ends of a swing boat, rocking and rolling, backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. And what that does inside the body, and this is very important when we're dealing with post-traumatic stress, the gliding motion of the two bones um, glides the membrane, the body of the tadpole, if you like, the body of the balloon, up and down inside the back. So it's the body's natural mechanism for keeping the nerve endings free of restriction and lubricated right. because those are the cables effectively coming out the fuse board that control and coordinate all the structures in the body. So in a nutshell, anything in life that we've been through, from being born right the way to the time the person lies on the couch, Anything they've been through, and, and here's, here's the, the critical part of the sentence, anything that person's been through that their body has been unable to fully self-heal remains in the body as a compensatory pattern. The body has to work around it, and if that compensatory pattern 
is put in place because there's pressure on the central nervous system, your body will be in a permanent 24-7 state of fight or flight, obviously on a varying level depending on, on the pressure applied. Right. So we can take that person out of a stressful situation, we put them on a beach in Barbados without a care in the world, but it doesn't matter, that person is still internally stressed. Right. So their focus goes inward, they focus on the imbalance in the nervous system. They're not taking in the scenery, the family, uh, the, the lovely sea, etc. They're focusing on the fact that, hey, I've got pressure on my central nervous system. So for me, post-traumatic stress, um, I would consider post-traumatic stress to be an event or combination of events, physical or emotional, that has locked the body in a fight-or-flight state. Now for me, one of the most important aspects of that statement is the fact that a combination of events it's very rarely one event. Most people associate the last event that pushed them over the edge as the cause of their post-traumatic stress. Right. Very, very rare is that the case in my clinical experience. It's a combination of things. And it was really interesting when I was working with Terence Kosaka at Camp My Way in, yeah. um, in British Columbia recently. Yeah. Basically, I volunteered my time to go over and work with Terence and the guys with post-traumatic stress to prove a mechanical theory that I had about post-traumatic stress. And there were two of the guys on the camp um, when we got talking and I was working with the guys. It didn't come up in conversation until we were working, but basically it turned out these guys had issues from birth. One had an operation on the skull plates and the other one was nine weeks premature. So their bodies had never actually had a neurological foundation to return to. It wasn't there from birth. So their bodies were internally stressed from a very, very young age. Right. So basically everything after that point was just having a compounding effect Right. until eventually one day an event occurs, body goes over the edge, can't cope with any more. As mammals we have an autonomic nervous system that is not a bottomless pit, it can only cope with so much. So when we're talking about soldiers, um, first responders, you guys are subjected to stress, emotional and physical on a daily basis. So it's a compounding effect that eventually builds up and the body says, you know what, I can't take any more. So what I'm really excited about, Brad, I'm, I'm working with, obviously, Terence at Camp My Way, yep. and I'm also in communication off the back of the trip that I did and the results that we achieved with a, a medic in the Canadian Army, um, and that's resulted in me popping back to the East Coast this time between the 2nd and the 9th of September to hopefully explain to the medical community within the Army a little bit more about the techniques that we adopt, how safe they are, how non-invasive they are, but what we've got is diagnostic tools outside the remit of conventional medicine. So within just a few seconds and without even placing hands on someone, we've got the skills to diagnose if someone is at risk of obtaining post-traumatic stress, because at the end of the day, the way the body's meant to work, Brad, is that you we should be in a relaxed state, what's called a parasympathetic state. So we have two nerves called vagus nerves. Yeah. As mammals we have two, as reptiles we have one. And what these nerves are meant to do is to work as a pair in conjunction. And in an ideal state, we're in rest and relaxation and repair mode. We sense a threat, that goes on the back burner and the body drops into fight or flight. Once the threat has passed, the body reverts back to its natural self-repair mode. So the problem arises when the self-repair mode becomes compromised. And a very simple diagnostic test within seconds will confirm if that ventral vagus, the mammal nerve, that um, is directly involved with healing and repair, we can identify in a few seconds if that nerve is compromised. So for me, 
The protocol that I devised, the protocol I worked with in British Columbia, which proved very, very successful, it has two aspects to it. Initially, to help the guys that have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, because chatting to the lady in, in the army, it's quite sad that apart from um, a combination of medication and counselling, there's nothing else available to these guys. So if they don't respond within a period of time, they're medically discharged out into the world, but they still have the issue. Right. So it's no wonder people end up doing alcohol, drugs, losing their family, etc., etc. Absolutely. Because nothing's actually dealing with the root cause. Yeah. And the root cause is neurological. It's to do with the central nervous system. So whilst there can be many contributing factors that work alongside it, I guess from my perspective as a body engineer, um, from a purely mechanical perspective, you have to deactivate the central nervous system back into a rest and relaxed state by initiating ventral vagus dominance within the body. And that is fairly easily achievable. Um, but what I found with the guys that I treated, um, we had a lot of mechanical restrictions. So the jaw muscles were very tight, the facial muscles were very tight. So um, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone here when I say this, but physio, massage, etc., that's not going to cut it. That's not going to get down to the root cause and deactivate these really, really tight nerves that are on edge all the time, 24-7. Mm -hmm. So it took me an hour and a half to two hours on each camper to work on them, to be able to deactivate those fight or flight states. And yeah, it's been great to hear the results and feedback from the guys since they've returned that you know they're doing really well. Hopefully that lockdown state has not returned and you know, we're monitoring and keeping in touch with the guys to give them support. So for me, from a mechanical perspective, if we can deactivate that fight or flight state initially, then the counseling, the physio, um, has a very important part to play. Right. But if we can't get over that first hurdle, we're just firefighting symptoms continuously. Right. So... I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're talking about and all the, you know, all the stuff you're saying. Cause I, I, I truly believe, um, you know, that it's, that it's an integrated approach. It's, um, it, it's definitely, we're dropping the ball in the, the traditional sense and the traditional, um, medicinal world a little bit and therapies by not dealing with the root cause and just, you know, uh, and, and from my experience too, if I didn't find the program that I found, the goal of my therapy was to get me back to work, to give me some skills to possibly cope with what I'm dealing with and then get me back to work. Yeah. But what you're saying and what I believe and, and the way that I really think that the only way to truly help people is to deal with the root cause because you're just putting a bandaid on it. You're just putting, and from a mechanical sense too, like a simple mechanical sense, you know, in a very simplistic form, if you, you know, if you have a, an oil leak in your car, but you're just, you just keep putting more oil in to thinking that that's, you know, oh, it's fine. It's, but I keep putting oil in, keep putting oil in, keep putting oil in, but the oil leak is there. So your body's working harder to fight off that leak just by adding in more and more oil. So just like medication or, or coping mechanisms, that type of thing. But until you actually fix the leak and let your body get back to working efficiently and properly, is it's not going to work 
Uh, it just makes total 100% sense what you're saying. And I just also, I just thought of a question. So when you, when you treat, uh, you know, when you treated these um, people at Camp My Way and in your process, do, so if they say they go back to work and uh, as far as being exposed to more traumatic situations, once that part of their hands-on therapy has been done and their, their central nervous system is, 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 you know, free and working properly, um, is that, is that something that, uh, they would need further hands-on therapy from you or is that just once they're good and they're operating properly now the traditional stuff will in conjunction with what you're doing will will help you know with the repeated exposure to trauma that these you know first responders and 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 really anybody um out there in the world will uh can be exposed to yeah that's a really good question um there's several aspects to that because the bottom line is, Brad, as sad as it is to, to talk about it, we live in a stressful world. You can walk down the high street on a Saturday afternoon, grab a hundred random people and ask how they are. The vast majority will be tired, stressed, um, just because of the, the pressures of modern life. For sure, yeah. This, this, this is uh, your average man and woman on the street. So we take first responders, we take soldiers, we take veterans who've been exposed to, uh, you know, some horrific experiences, and these guys have, have experienced stress on a, on a completely other level, so this is one of the important things that Terence was trying to get across on the camp, is it's, there is no one-stop shop. Right. We need, from an engineering perspective, we need different tools in the toolbox, so for me, the protocol that I've, I've, I've kind of created after, you know, the clinical experience that I've gained and the knowledge I've accumulated is about treating the root cause um, initially, if someone's gone over the edge already and they've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, that trigger's been um, been flipped and they're diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. But more importantly for me, or certainly as importantly, is the concept of being proactive and preventative. Right. So this is what I was talking about. This is the reason I'm going back to the East Coast to work with a medic, is to uh, basically explain the concept of giving them, offering them tools to be able to diagnose early someone at risk. Right. Whether Fireman, firewoman, policeman, etc., uh, etc. Et it doesn't matter what the background is; the body works in in the same way. So, if we've got tools to diagnose someone at risk, that has to be a far better option than waiting for for something to occur and then pick up the pieces. Oh, so 100%. Yeah. So that's what I'm excited about sharing. I'm working on that at the moment in conjunction um, with medical doctor friend of mine. We're trying to look at the possibility of creating an app which people will be able to download. They'll be able to ideally self-diagnose where the neurology is compromised, and then we'll give them some self-help techniques. And this kind of taps in with the question you asked, because if we don't give someone the tools to go back into the real world, which is a stressful environment, to be able to continue deactivating their central nervous system on a regular basis, then we're just asking for trouble long-term. Right. Whilst, I, whilst I can help with our... You know, mechanical approach to deactivating the nervous system and enabling it to go back into a relaxed state for, for self-repair and self-healing. It's important that somebody has the tools, whether that's meditation, whether that's yoga, whether that's um, just going for a walk on the beach with the dog and the family. It's People will have different tools, and this is what I'm developing with Terence. 
uh, at Camp My Way, and I think his environment, being out in the mountains with no internet connection, no phone, just getting everybody away from the madness of modern living so that they could fully benefit from once the nervous system was deactivated, they had time to integrate those benefits fully. Right. They weren't jumping straight in the car and going back out in the field. Right. Somebody needs time to integrate. So yeah, the concept is uh, looking at, you know again, the different tools in the toolbox. It's about treating the root cause, which for me is deactivating that central nervous system, and then looking at the other tools, be it the yoga, the Pilates, um, the meditation, etc., that people can then leave the camp with they're fully conversed in how to utilize the tools so that they can better deal with, with modern life. So long term, um, the concept of the app was to be able to A, help people to self-diagnose, B, will then give them, once the diagnosis has been made and we know where the neurology is, com is compromised, we'll give them some simple self-help techniques. For a lot of people, those self-help techniques will actually resolve the issue, they'll deactivate their own central nervous systems, and they will be able to you know, empty the stress cup at the end of the day, if you like. Those people that using the self-diagnostic techniques keep reverting, they keep going back out of balance, then the problem is more mechanical and it needs someone like myself to come along and deal with a deeper underlying root cause. But once that's been addressed, a combination of the self-help techniques and the tools will hopefully keep that person in a good place. So that's, that's the long-term vision um, because nice. it, it does upset me when people come to me They've been everywhere. They've seen everybody. They've spent thousands of bucks trying to, you know, find the, the solution for them. And if we can find a very, very simple, cost-effective way to get people to self-diagnose, basically following a flowchart, then they'll either be able to help themselves, which won't cost a penny, or, um, you know, at least we know if the problem is of a more mechanical nature, we know exactly who to refer them to. We're, we're going to create um, a network of referrals to skilled professionals that will have this protocol under their belt, so we know that you're going to go direct to the right person who can help you. Right. No, I, I love it, man. I, 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 you know, believe in in everything that you're that you're talking about, and and especially, um, or not especially, but I love the um, the direction of prevention and being proactive versus being reactive because i i think generally as a society in our medical system we're we're very reactive you know um and there's not much emphasis on prevention or maintenance really it's okay i'm just gonna go as long as i can until i can't go anymore and then deal with it you know that's kind of the way that human nature is at this point, you know? And so the, the, the theory of, of having a, a prevention program, um, and maintenance program, because I know that that probably would have benefited me, you know, and everyone else who has experienced what I have experienced. And that's not just firefighting. I mean, I also believe that, in society, like you talked about, you know, our experiences are all different, but the results of those, of the stress and the trauma is, is the same. You know, it doesn't have to be just that it's a traumatic event as in seeing a car accident or that type of thing. Those results are the same. The experiences are different, but the results are the same with repeated, unexpo uh, repeated, untreated exposure to trauma. And like you said, those 
a couple people in Camp My Way, you know, there was some childhood trauma that was experienced, you know. So if it starts all the way then and we don't know about it and we live our lives and base our, uh, you know, we we live our lives based on those experiences and, and, and that type of, uh, you know, in that avenue, then, yeah, we're, uh, you know, it makes so much sense that, you know, this this type of therapy can work for everybody. So uh, yeah. I, I just, I love it, man. I, I love, I love the stuff you're doing. And, and uh, just, you talked about um, having practitioners, but I also noticed that you, and this might be an older uh, uh, part of your website, but it's uh, the, uh, the courses that you have available um, or a course that you had avail- available to teach people the you know, the safe, simple techniques to help friends and family members, it says on your website. So I just, is that something that is going to be offered as well as, as maybe, you know, hooking up with some practitioners and stuff like that? Well, basically, Brad, the, I mentioned earlier, there's so many branches to, to the, this therapeutic tree. Um, when Terence asked if it was okay to put a couple of the PTSD posts that I'd created, um, sorry, the PTS posts, uh, public, instead of within our closed group, uh, all of a sudden within 24 hours I'm getting contacted by people in, in America, their children have got intracranial hypertension. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- with, with the exception of medication, and in many cases these guys get stunt, shunts fitted in the brain to try and open up the arteries and improve the blood flow. It has a very low success rate, and sometimes, uh, you know, it's... It, 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 it's it, it turns out very bad. It's it's a major operation. Yeah. Um, and chatting to these guys and giving them just talking to them on messenger, giving them the simple diagnostic checks to do, we're able to diagnose that there is a very very high percentage that have a mechanical restriction. And because that sits outside the remit of conventional medicine at the moment, uh, it's very sad that a lot of these guys are, are getting all these operations. We're dealing with kids here. Some of them been told they'll be on medication for life, and it, in some cases we get the odd genetic exception, you know, that, that is the case. But for, for certainly the vast majority, I think they can be helped with a, what is fundamentally a mechanical restriction. The problem is, again, it falls outside the remit of conventional medicine. So when you talk about using your hands with the possible exception of physio, nobody does that now within the medical community. We've got valuable diagnostic skills that they have with the scans, the x-rays, etc. Um, but actually working directly using the tissues is 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 a vastly underused resource and that really is is the major tool that I have in the box is to work with the fascia so children with special educational needs is another massive thing in, in an ideal world Brad if we lived in Nirvana what I would love to see and it's already been adopted in some of the Scandinavian countries is that every child is offered these techniques of birth mm. so before they leave maternity certainly within the first few weeks of being born any trauma from the birth is resolved Right. It's, it's cleared from the tissues, it's cleared from the structure. Um, the vast majority of our neurodevelopmental work, I think it's approximately 60%, is done by the age of three. So if you can keep somebody in a healthy, happy place by the age of three, what you've created is a foundation for a, a healthy, functional young adult and adult. If those issues are unresolved, and here's what's a little bit sad, unfortunately, it's not diagnosed until that child starts school. And right. then they pick up might be a learning disorder or they're a bit slow with the reading, speech, etc. And by then, depending on the pressure applied to the brain, it can be too late. So early intervention, proactive prevention for me is the key. 
So there's many, many areas, um, and that's what I'm quite excited about when we start talking and spreading the word, is how many different people we can actually help with this approach. It's not just post-traumatic stress. It, um, if, you, if you look at, um, which I'll be doing when, when we get the blog up and running very shortly, there's a wide variety of conditions, health conditions, which are often treated in isolation. So nobody would make a connection from a medical perspective between somebody, for example, who has headaches and irritable bowel. Right. The connection is a faulty ventral vagus nerve. It gives that person a hiatus hernia and messes up the whole neurology of the bowel. So from an engineering perspective, what I found is a vast majority of the symptoms that people come in with on a daily basis, whether it's the fatigue, the depression, the anxiety, the migraines, the bad backs, the structural issues. Two of my children are Great Britain athletes, so we've got a wealth of experience treating people who train at the highest level physically. Um, but musculoskeletally, if you're an athlete or, or just someone who's got a, an ongoing recurring problem that keeps on rearing its head, if we don't have a balanced foundation, at the end of the day, whether it's a body, a garden wall, a house, if there's no firm foundation, cracks are going to appear. And the central nervous system gives you that foundation to build on. So it, for me, it keeps coming back to if, as an engineer, we can treat the very first thing that could go wrong, and for me, that's the central nervous system, then everything else has a chance to sort itself out naturally. So to top up the neurological component, once that person is balanced, once the foundation's in place, then we have a concept that we work with. We, we call it healthy HEN, H-E-N, H for hydration, E for exercise, N for nutrition. The concept being when the foundation is laid, that person's recovery can be enhanced rapidly by a simple program of moderate exercise, making sure they're nicely hydrated and they're getting the right nutrients. So again, it's doing the simple things that we all know about, but making it sustainable and achievable. Yeah, I, I love that too. I was just, uh, I was reading some of your Healthy Hen. You got a couple uh, posts up there from the Healthy Hen. So it's, uh, I like the pictures on there too, but uh, uh, no, I, 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 I agree, man. I, I love the foundational approach. Again, like I said, uh, I've, I've, I've believed in that. I believe in that from physically, mentally, uh, nutritionally. Um, and you did, you did talk about, uh, nutrition there. And I was going to ask you too about, because you talked also about, uh, the the vagus nerve and you know kind of the the brain gut connection and I know there's a lot of stuff out there right now and I don't even I don't know if you want to touch on this at all but I I, I have a feeling it might have you know um, connection to what you're doing and the brain gut connection and yeah uh, with the vagus nerve and and you know because and especially with I was doing some other research and they're talking about um, the you know that now they're they're finding out that you know like 90 percent of your serotonin is produced in the gut in the nervous system in the gut because yeah. it has its own separate nervous system and if that is not operating properly we're you know as serotonin is you know mother nature's uh antidepressant if we're not producing that or it's not getting to where it's supposed to go that's where we're going to have problems so i just uh kind of thought and hoped maybe you could touch on that a little bit yeah absolutely um, you know when somebody comes into my 
clinic, Brad, my, my concept from an engineering perspective is, is possibly a little bit different. I've got this inherent belief system that the body has an innate ability to fix and repair itself. So from an engineering point of view, why would we try and fix a self-healing mechanism? It makes no sense to me. What we would do is to try and identify why it couldn't self-heal. Right. Where's the roadblock? Where is the self-healing mechanism compromised? If we can accurately, using our toolbox, diagnose where the roadblock is and we can deal with that, then what we've done is not we've not fixed that person. What we've simply done is reinitiated the capacity for that person to fix and repair themselves. And that gives us the best chance of a long-term resolution. So part and parcel of that diagnostic toolbox, for me, one of the major, major uh, approaches that we use is working with the Vega system. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as simple as I can mm -hmm. from an engineering perspective, but we, we descend evolutionarily from reptiles. So mammals are an evolutionary branch of reptiles, and reptiles have a vagus nerve, which is our fight-or-flight mechanism. So as we evolved from cold-blooded reptiles into warm-blooded mammals, we basically got an upgrade. We never replaced the old reptile nerve, but we superseded it with a mammal upgrade. Now this vagus nerve comes from a separate part of the brain altogether. So again, today all reptiles have one vagus nerve, all mammals have two. So the, the modern vagus nerve, the ventral vagus nerve, what it does, it primarily coordinates the muscles of facial expression because as mammals, a lot of the information we gather about someone, is it safe to be with them? Are they, are they okay with us being around them? It comes from their expression. So we need to be able to read someone's facial muscles to interact socially as mammals. So the ventral vagus controls that in conjunction with primarily heart and lungs. And the, the ancient reptilian nerve, what it does, it works alongside the mammal nerve, controlling lung and heart function, and it also controls the digestive organs. So what happens in a nutshell, this is how I look at it from a mechanical perspective, and this is how I created the theory and the, the hands-on protocol, which I'm hoping to share, is I realized the penny dropped when I was reading a book from an amazing therapist called Stanley Rosenberg. Okay. And what I realized was I started to connect dots I'd had some of the information before, and that was one of the last pieces of the jigsaw. And it made me realize why a lot of people with chronic health conditions, post-traumatic stress, they get locked in this situation. So it's all to do with the vagus nerve. So what happens is, from a mechanical perspective, people subjected to ongoing stress. Now, that stress could just be a combination of birth trauma and a stressful job and lifestyle. It doesn't have to be something horrific that we've experienced. It's just a combination of things that are tightening the tissues internally and impacting on the central nervous system. So what I realized was if the ventral vagus nerve becomes compromised, and that's very easy for us to diagnose, then it starts a snowball effect. So the ventral vagus nerve primarily allows us to respirate and breathe properly. It opens up the lungs, and it gives us balanced cardiac function. Right. So if the ventral vagus nerve is compromised, and usually this occurs at the base of the skull, um, the head is quite heavy, it weighs about 10 pounds, with, in an average adult, so if it's not balanced properly on the top of the atlas axis joint, what we find is we get a lot of tight neck shoulder issues, and the vagus nerve can become compromised where it exits the base of the skull. There's there's two exit points, one either side of center line. Um, so if we diagnose a faulty ventral vagus, then what that does within the neurology of the body, the ventral vagus controls the top third of the esophagus. So this is when I started to to realize the connecting the dots and the effect it has fascially within the body, faulty ventral vagus will affect the signal to the top third of the esophagus, so it shortens, it contracts. 
the effect that has is to pull the stomach up on the other end of the esophagus under the left side of the rib cage. Mm -hmm. And in extreme cases, we get hiatus hernia. So when you start talking to someone who might have post-traumatic stress, for example, or anxiety, depression, panic attacks, very, very rarely does someone come in with one single issue. When you start talking about their other health issues, they will have inflammatory conditions, they will have anxiety, they will have panic attacks, they will have other stuff going on apart from the reason they came in to see you. So on a purely mechanical level, what happens is where the esophagus passes through, there's um, a big band of muscle called the respiratory diaphragm, and what it does, it, it separates the heart and the lungs from the digestive organs, and basically there's a hole in that muscle that the esophagus passes through, and that's called the hiatus. But two of our vagus nerves pass through with the esophagus into the lower abdomen. So what I found, the, the mechanical protocol that we created basically proves that what happens is if we get a faulty ventral vagus nerve, it shortens the esophagus, pulls the stomach up onto the left rib cage, and gives us, even if it's not a full hiatus hernia, which is where the stomach gets sucked up into the cavity above, where the heart and the lungs are, mm -hmm. any kind of distortion, even a, a, a small distortion of the hiatus itself, will pinch one or two of uh, one or both of those vagus nerves as they travel down into the digestive system. So that has the fascial response. The body senses that pressure, and it further tightens the neck and shoulder muscles as a protective response, and that is it. What we've created then is a vicious mechanical circle. So like you said earlier with the car leaking oil, mm -hmm. that's it. The, the body has lost the ability to self-heal at that point. Take that person away from the stressful situation, the mechanics are still internally locked. So what we realize is we needed to break that cycle from a neurological perspective. So by releasing the ventral vagus nerve in the neck, then releasing the tight shoulder muscles. A lot of people with post-traumatic stress and long-term medical conditions will have a restricted range of movement, tight neck, head, shoulders. It's, it's pretty much standard par for the course. Yeah, so I by can, releasing I the can. trapezius and sternocleidomastoid muscles, we then take pressure off the signal to the esophagus, so, so slack appears in it, and we can then release the vagus down into the gut, take pressure off the stomach and relocate it. So basically what it does by reinitiating the signal from the ventral vagus nerve, all of a sudden the lungs open up, we start to respirate again. Because if we lose the signal, as we mentioned earlier, from the ventral vagus nerve, the body effectively, and this is very, very important to understand, if, if the mammal nerve is not the dominant one, the body says, well, hey, what, what's going on? Someone's got to steer the ship. So the body goes back down the evolutionary ladder and the reptile nerve becomes the dominant one. Uh, you know, if you think about what a reptile does, it sits on a rock in the sun. It doesn't move a lot. As mammals, we need to be running around in fourth or fifth gear. So if the reptile nerve becomes the dominant one, because the mammal nerve is compromised, neurologically, your body suddenly reverts back to being a reptile. It goes into conservation and shutdown. Hence the fatigue, the inflammatory conditions, the bowel issues, because your body's trying to conserve energy. Right. We still run around in fourth or fifth gear because that's the way that we have to interact with the outside world. But internally, your body's wired to try and stay in first gear. And that's a big part of why we end up with many, many side-associated health issues. So by reprogramming and getting that ventral nerve to be the dominant one, the ventral vagus, all of a sudden, it's like flicking a switch. And that person can start to interact with the outside world as a mammal. Because what do reptiles do? They're not social creatures. They're kind of independent. And this is why a lot of people with post-traumatic stress um, find it very hard 
to integrate back into the outside world because we'll have a central nervous system that is not geared to be socially interactive. We'll have a central nervous system that is on in fight or flight, so we're hypersensitive to noise, hypersensitive to people being around us. Right. We're on edge all the time. We're looking for the lion. So it's very, very difficult for people to interact socially as mammals with post-traumatic stress or any condition related to a compromised ventral vagus nerve. Wow. If, that, if any of that makes sense. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it makes a makes a hundred percent sense. It makes like it makes a lot of sense to me because uh, a lot of what you're saying, I I, exper I I've experienced, and I still do have you know some residual effects like what you're describing because I haven't done that type of you know therapy, and it makes sense. I I mean, I had I I personally had uh, you know issues bowel issues and and digestive issues and, and and all these things as a result of you know and and other health issues too like you know with uh anemia and white blood cells and you know yeah all this residual stuff that i 100 percent believe is from the the stress of and my body holding it in and 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 not be not operating functionally and you know, we can do all these things, I, I believe, you know, physically and, and exercise and, and nutritionally, uh, you know, to, to survive and function at a decent level. Um, but eventually, that stuff only lasts for so long if we don't get to the root cause, which is exactly, you know, I shouldn't say I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but from what you're saying is what we need to do to get to the root cause so we can have our bodies functioning optimally so they can heal themselves, which I believe the body can do as well. So, Yeah, uh, 100%. And that, that's really why we created the protocol is um, even if you release someone's neck, for example, and you get the ventral vagus nerve functioning again, if you don't then release the pressure off the nerves down in the gut, which are compromised because of the shortening of the esophagus, if you don't release the hiatus, that body's going to regress again. So the protocol is a step-by-step -step process to, to the best of our ability with the knowledge that we've got at the moment to completely take pressure off of those vagus nerves, completely deactivate the central nervous system back into a self-healing mode. And then, as you said, Brad, you know the other tools then come into practice with the, the nutrition, the exercise, etc. Yeah. But if we, don't, if we only do one or two pieces of the jigsaw and we don't complete the cycle, basically what we have is, uh, yeah, it's, it's an incomplete journey. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I would, and this is not, it doesn't, I, I'm not saying this because I think I'm anything super special or anything, but I am very conscious of my nutrition and what I put in my body and it's changed a lot over the years and I'm, you know, I'm physically fit. Um, you know, I, I, I exercise almost daily and, you know, so I take really good care of my body in ways that I thought were going to benefit me. And they they completely have benefited me. Um, however, you know, what I from what I understand you're saying is it's like putting premium fuel in your car, but you're only running on four out of eight cylinders. Would that be kind of safe to say is is kind of 
Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty close. And that, this is why I was drawn to the work that Terence Kosaka is um, is doing after his own experiences. Um, obviously, he does a lot of exercise. He pushes the body because mm -hmm. that's how he's dealt with his post-traumatic stress in the past. And it's very, very important that exercise and nutrition is part and parcel of the recovery process because right. what it does, it deactivates, it changes the signals in the sympathetic chain from the base of the neck down to kind of waist level in the spine. It changes the experience. So even if we don't deactivate the central nervous system because we haven't got the skills to be able to access someone who can do it, then a combination of the exercise, it will keep you moving along. Yes. Because you're deactivating the stress response by changing the internal stimulus. The body says, right, I'm not sitting in a, in a room looking at four walls. I'm going to go out for a run. I'm going to go and do some weights. I'm going to go and have a swim in the sea. Whatever the stimulus is, it changes the focus, albeit temporarily. Because internally, if the pressure is still on the central nervous system, when we go back to a quiet space and the stimulus has changed, we revert back into some level of fight or flight. So for me, it's it's a combination of all the things we've spoken about. Treating the root cause, that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, I might be talking here and some people are saying, no, I've got my own approaches, mm -hmm. which I would prefer. That's absolutely fine. I can only talk from my own clinical experience. Absolutely. And my background as, as, as a mechanical engineer originally. Um, for me, it's about treat the root cause, reprogram the central nervous system, reinitiate the body's capacity to self-heal, and then you get the full benefit of the nutrition, the exercise, etc. So it yeah. is a combination of different things. Um, which Terence and myself are still in the process of, of creating. But certainly anyone who's got five minutes, go onto the Count My Way link, have a look at the work that Terence has done so far. It's it's amazing, it's incredible, and we're really excited about you know uh, going to the East Coast, talking with the medics in the Army, and, and finding ways that we can actually get this message out there because there are literally millions of people who could benefit from these approaches, and they're simple. Yeah, no, I... I uh... You know, I've I've contacted Terrence. Uh, we've been in contact a few times, and uh, yeah, he's uh, going to be a guest on the podcast here. Um, I know he was just uh, he was just away, but uh, he's going to be a guest on the podcast. And um, he, I'm, I love what he's doing uh, with Camp My Way. I actually reached out to him, and he might not remember, but when I was in you know major crisis mode a couple years ago. Um, you know, I found him because I was searching for something and, uh, yeah, I reached out to him right away and he called me back within, within five minutes, he called me and didn't know me from anything and called me. And, you know, I just, I have so much respect for him and what he's doing and all the selfless work he's doing to help other people too. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with uh, people checking out the camp my way stuff and see what you guys are doing and, and uh, hopefully we can connect uh, again when you guys uh, or when you're back here or, you know, I, I it's funny because I was uh, doing my doing some research and just seeing because I, I saw where you live and I, I Jersey and I, it, I just assumed it was UK. And I'm so I, you know, do the Google map thing. I'm like, wow, man, I was almost as fascinated with what you're doing as where you live, like the. Uh, <laughs> You yeah. know, it just looks absolutely amazing, and what a what a great place to to live, and you know, live, uh, you know, a healthy and active lifestyle. And I mean, it seems like it'd probably be pretty laid back and uh, pretty relaxing place. And and uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, 
if you, can you just can you just kind of explain where you're from too? We didn't even discuss that, but uh, I really wanted to talk about it because honestly, I, I'd already checked out flights and see how uh, how much it costs to get from Vancouver to uh, Jersey because honestly, I was fascinated by it. So maybe you yeah, can well, just but, kind of talk about it. Yeah, sure. Basically, my uh, my mom is French and my dad is English, and Jersey is kind of just off. It's a tiny little island. 45 square miles off the coast of France, um, English speaking, but tiny little place, population of about 100,000, so a, a lot of people on a small rock in the middle of nowhere, Yeah. Um, but that's where I was born, that's where I've grown up, brought my family up, etc., and um, learnt, learnt my mechanical trade as well as my engineering trade, and now it's a case of let's try and let's try and spread spread the word so I'm a great believer in fate I, I, I firmly believe that things happen for a reason we meet people for a reason um, as teachers to help them everything everything happens for a reason it's 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 not uh, coincidence yeah absolutely people. and you know I, I I was guided by a friend of mine to contact Terence look at the work he was doing I approached him and said would it be possible to come over paid my own way to go over and prove my mechanical theory, and I think the results that we've achieved off the back of that, in conjunction with Terence's approach, have left us feeling really, really excited about, you know, creating something special to give people hope, because at the moment there isn't a lot of hope for someone who's diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, and if we can offer people hope, that actually, firstly, their body has just responded naturally to a stress response. That's all it is. And it's no different than pain levels. You know, what somebody might experience as a 2 out of 10, it might be a 5 or a 6 to somebody else. There's no set program. You can't put someone with PTS in a pigeonhole. Um, it's simply an individual response to stress. That is it. So giving people the, the knowledge and the understanding that what their body's done is just a natural response, uh, a lot of people have never been told that. No. They think it's them, they think they're weak, they, they should have been stronger, etc. And that's not the case. So firstly, letting them know that it's perfectly natural that what their body's done is okay. And then secondly, give them the hope that they can get back to where they were before the switch tripped. Yeah. And, uh, and give them hope they can get their, their lives back on track. Because uh, as you probably know from your own experiences and certainly Terence's, guys with post-traumatic stress uh, and long-term long chronic illness, etc., it doesn't just affect the individual. It's the entire family structure. Yeah. Everybody is, is affected. So to get that person back on the right track to give them hope, to give them health, to give them happiness, you're not just affecting the individual, you are improving the entire family structure. No, no, I 100% I agree and um, can relate to that in the sense of when I first went to, you know, well, probably my second psychologist recommended by, uh, you know, our uh, British Columbia Professional Firefighters Association, it was a uh, recommended psychologist. And honestly, when I went in there, because I didn't understand, I had been to another counselor initially through our, uh, through our employee assistance program, which was good because it was the first time I've talked about anything. So it, it, it opened the conversation for me, but it didn't help me as far as with what I was dealing with. It opened the conversation. So I believe that everything I've done has led me to where I am now and everybody's helped me. And when I'm done with that help, I move on to the next thing. And so this particular person was the first person to kind of explain to me, cause I went in there thinking I'm crazy. 
Like I cannot function as a human being. Like I, I didn't know if I was crazy and I, I felt like I should be, you know, am I going to be locked up? Like I, I can't even function. I'm, you know, all these things are happening to me. I'm crying on the way home from work. I can't even, you know, all, all those things that, that, that you know about, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know about too, but he was the first person to kind of explain to me what was happening to my brain. And then it wasn't that I was crazy. My brain was actually protecting me and it was actually working. I thought my brain wasn't working, but it was actually working to try and protect me. That's why it was doing what it was doing. So I totally understand what you're, you know, what you're saying there. And I also, with the, uh, you know, it affects, uh, I, I believe in, and that's, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, me and my wife are, are, you know, actively, you know, building is some peer support for the families as well, because what we noticed was, first of all, you have to search out everything that you need, which, you know, sometimes is a little bit of a struggle, but and, it, you know, I had my experience uh, from post-traumatic stress and anxiety and depression and, and the, the resulting, you know, actual physical ailments that I, re, you know, uh, struggled with as well for, from all that, uh, all those things. Uh, my wife had a different experience and my son had another experience of seeing me and dealing with me. So I had my stuff, but, you know, it affected my family to the point where, you know, my wife was afraid to come home because she didn't know what she was going to find first of all and second of all she didn't she was walking around on eggshells she didn't know what to do so you know i understand it it affects everybody and and so i again i love what you guys are doing because every everything that that you're doing that terrence is doing you know hopefully the stuff that i'm doing will help people just you know, realize that they're not alone, that there's hope and that there is support for you. And hopefully we can get it to a point where it's not that we have to sit there on the internet for an hour to, to find the help that we need, that it's just out there readily available and uh, easily accessible for people. So Anyways, man, that was a long-winded uh, response, and uh, you know, not that you even <laughs> asked me a question, but I, I absolutely 100% understand what you're saying. I love what you're doing. I would love to get the treatment because I know that I'm still struggling with some things. I'm very good. I've healed a lot. I've done tons of work, but I know that there's probably still some stuff inside me that you know, is, is not functioning properly. So hopefully we can connect. Uh, and, and I would love to get some work done. Honestly, if I can find a way to come out to, uh, to Jersey, uh, I'm there. I'd love to, you know, even just bring my family out there as a little vacation and, um, get some work done. But, uh, I know you're coming to Canada too. So where, uh, when are you guys, uh, when are you coming? You said you're coming in September to the east coast and then any plans after that like any any kind of are you just going to keep working with um camp my way and just kind of keep rolling man yeah but basically terence and i have done some tentative talk about the possibility to raise awareness uh nationwide of, of a road trip coast to coast yeah um so you know th this is in its its infancy it's only something that we've just touched on 
but uh, basically we're, we, I'm going I'm to get this trip to the East Coast out the way in Fredericton. Um, hopefully we can raise a lot of awareness there and you know, I'll always be grateful to Beata, who's the, the medic from the army camp who contacted us off the back of the, the work I've done in British Columbia and just said, look, you know, I, we've got no tools to help these guys. I'd love to find out what you're doing and things have snowballed from there. Um, and I think we've got enough interest for me to go over, do a talk, hopefully do some hands-on work with the soldiers and the veterans, and raise awareness that you know there, there are tools available which um, can treat the root cause that are, that are non-medicinal. So off the back of that, if we get the interest, I think we're possibly looking at doing this coast to coast, which might take us you know two three months, who knows? But we can stop off along the way to the fire stations, to the army bases, to the police stations, basically wherever people want us do the seminars, do the talks, do the workshops, and by then hopefully we'll have connections to a network of professionals. We'll have the self-diagnostic app up and running so that people will have the tools, as, as, as I say, hopefully to self-diagnose, self-help, and if that doesn't work, plan C is, is obviously the referral to the specialist who we know can. So there's lots of work that we're going to try and cram in in a short space of time. It's obviously a long-term vision, but... Um, chatting with some of the guys in the fire departments that I've been lucky enough to connect to, the vision of hopefully having the skills available in each department to look at the guys on a daily basis or weekly basis, whatever works, and just say, right, here's a quick diagnostic check. It takes five seconds, and that's all it does, mm -hmm. to identify if someone's neurology is at risk. And that's what's exciting, is to be proactive, preventative, give the guys tools that's not going to breach anyone's code of ethics. It's you're not even touching someone, but the diagnostic tool is there to identify early if one of your guys is at risk. Because again, if we can be proactive and preventative, that's got to be the way forward. So excited about sharing all this. It's uh, there's a lot of work for us to do to bring it together, but we're trying to keep it as simple as accessible as possible without complicating it. Because fundamentally, if we break it down, it, it is very very simple to hopefully diagnose the compromised central nervous system. Once we've done that we can then start a process to help the people and that's what we're working on at the moment. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to do but the idea of a, a road trip coast to coast is very exciting, great way for us to get the word across. Um, obviously we're going to need some funding etc which we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. but if, if we can access the funds to achieve that then it's it's probably going to be a goer. Nice. No, that's that's awesome man. I, I uh, you know, I believe that we're all kind of doing the same thing, doing different parts and and we're all stronger together. And uh, again, I love what you're doing. And, you know, if you guys need anything from me, I'd love to be, you know, a part in any way that I can, even if it's just putting out the word or whatever, you know, you need some boots on the ground, uh, you know, uh, contact me and, and we'll keep in contact because honestly, I have so much more to talk to you about, but uh, I know uh, that, uh, you know, you got a busy day there and, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I'd love to talk again. And cause I, I am just fascinated by, by what you're doing and I love what you're doing and the selfless work that you and Terrence are doing and how, so for that, I thank you. And how can people find you or get a hold of you? What's the best way to, to contact you? Well, if someone's interested in uh, in the work we're doing, then certainly one of the best ways to contact me directly is is probably by email is the best bet, um, okay. and then I can try and help from there. So that my 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 email address at work is Chris uh, with a C C H R I S at newvisiontherapy 
www.newvisiontherapies.co.uk. Okay. Yeah, and, and New Vision it. Therapy is your company. Um, New Vision Therapy is is kind of the label that I gave to the therapy that I created because um, craniosacral therapy, the uplature therapy, is certainly the foundation that I use to treat the central nervous system. It's incredible work, and there's uh, the beauty is there are thousands of therapists across Canada and the states that we're hoping that we can tie into um, at some point to offer this referral network, and that's that's work in progress for me at the moment. But that, that is the foundation for the work and what I've done. Again, I realized early in my clinical practice, no one therapy has all the answers. Right. So the craniosacral therapy is a very, very powerful tool. But what I've done is I've included other bits, including the acupressure points, working with the fascia, the viscera, etc., to create this protocol, which seems to have very uh, profound effects with, with guys with post-traumatic stress and long-term other chronic health conditions. So that's what I want to share is is with other therapists, offer them the opportunity to um, engage and learn about this protocol so that at the end of the day, we can help more people. That's what it's about. Nice. Brad, I really appreciate the time that you've given us as well to uh, to try and get the message across. I really appreciate your offer of help. I'm sure we'll take you up on that at some point. And um, yeah, let, let, let's talk again. Awesome. Yeah, let's, uh, we'll keep in contact and thank you so much, Chris. And uh Enjoy your time today over in Jersey. I guess it is what? What is? It's about nine nine p.m. there. It's about, yeah, coming up to nine. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, for me that would almost be my bedtime, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be far. It's been a long day. Yeah, right on. <laughs> okay, man. Well, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll talk soon. I, I truly appreciate it, Chris. You're very very welcome, Brad. Okay. You take good care of yourself. Yeah, you too. All the best. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So there you have it. Episode 15, Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris, for that 100% educational conversation. And really what Chris is doing is, you know, just offering an alternative to people that are using traditional medicine and maybe it's just not working. That's all it is. It's just another tool in the toolbox. And from his theories of the root cause, this might be something that that can help you. So thank you again, Chris. Thank you everyone for listening. You can find Chris if you're interested in what he's doing at newvisiontherapy.co.uk or email Chris at chris at newvisiontherapy.co.uk. You can find us, find this podcast on my website, beyondthebigredtruck.com or on Podbean or iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, we're just really trying to raise the awareness, help with some preventative measures, preventative, and really to help start the conversation around mental health. And make it a normal part of conversation. Because really, man, we're all human. And we all have these feelings sometimes. And we're all dealing with shit. So let's just help each other however we can. Share this podcast. Whatever we got to do to get the word out. There's so many amazing people out there doing amazing things. I'm trying to get those people on the podcast I'm working hard, trying to spread the word, and I'm pretty sure it's working, man. 
So if there's anyone that you want to hear from, just let me know. I'll, I'll contact them. I, you know, I have no problem with that conversation and I got some great conversations coming up. So please share this podcast, find me on social media. I got lots of cool stuff going on there. I got lots of I'm creating great relationships. We're, we're all a little crazy. I relate app and, you know, promoting the hashtag same here uh, because we are human and I'm just saying that, you know, I'm the same as you and we're just trying to normalize it. All right. That was a long uh, outro, but uh, anyways, first of all, remember to be awesome today. If you need help, if you're in a crisis, please call 911. Reach out to me for everything else. You can call me, you can email me, you can message me on Facebook, you can message me on Instagram, however you want to get a hold of me uh, if you just want to chat. So again, thank you. Be awesome. I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Big Red Truck Podcast. 